0: just go to cars.com. It's magical. Here I, Chicago. Three titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for.
1: Welcome to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, managing editor here at Second City Hockey, and I've got my two usual line mates with me tonight. First up, it is the analytic styling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price.
0: Hi, just go vote. Early voting is open, Illinois.
1: Go vote. Go Did vote. you vote already?
0: I am a early voting judge in the county oh. dupage.
1: Yeah. Ooh. So do we have to call you Judge Price now? No. <laughs> I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't earned your honorable yet. Okay, well, that, you know, something to strive for still. Yeah, exactly. And then also with us tonight, it is the site manager, and we're not sure if he's rebuilding it or not, but uh, he's looking at the long term as well as the short term. It is Brandon Kane.
2: <laughs> so there's no judge price because there's only one JP in Illinois?
0: Who I mean, that, that, there's there's probably more than more than one JP, just as there's probably more than one JB, but there's only really one important one.
1: Okay, fair enough. What, what I there's a lot of initials getting thrown around here. I'm very confused now.
0: Have you not noticed that our governor is just
1: no, no J- JB? But he yeah. said you said JP. Yeah, I don't I don't get the JP one personally. I don't, I don't know who the other JP is. That's where I'm confused.
2: Like his initials are. J P,
1: no, 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 I get that, but who's the other J P?
0: Yeah, Pritzker.
1: You like, said there's only one J P. No, the... that's J B. Pritzker I, is J. B. I know who J B Pritzker is. I, yes. I work. With... <laughs> but no, Brandon <laughs>
0: just said Brandon just said that the J P was J was Pritzker. That did, that makes no sense.
2: His his first name is J, and then the last name is Pritzker. So the initials are J. Okay.
1: J. okay. Okay. I, no, I got it. <laughs> But it's J.B. It's J B P. Sorry. Yeah. Nice. Good try, though. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about?
0: I don't know.
1: Well, for the three people that didn't already click away from this, thank you. Uh, you, you can follow along with all of us on Twitter. Hopefully we're more coherent there. Well, we can usually hit backspace before we hit send tweet, so we're a little bit more coherent there. Brandon's on Twitter at Brandon M. Shepard Shepherd is at at Shepard Price. I'm at underscore Dave Melton. The main account for the website is t- at 2ND City Hockey. You can also visit our website, secondcityhockey.com, for all of your Blackhawks-related content. And please subscribe to the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. And we'd really appreciate some five-star reviews that would make us look much better and all the ratings and all that. So if you've got some time and you can do that for us, we'd much appreciate it. And speaking of Blackhawks-related content at secondcityhockey.com, t- today was a day. There were some interesting things that went down today, and there were some things that were teased on Monday. I I think it was a tweet from Jay Zawoski suggested that something big about the organization was going to happen soon, and he was right because the Blackhawks sent out a press release, and I I believe it was also a letter that went out to season ticket holders. I'm just going to read it in full because that seems like the best way to communicate everything that happened in case you missed it. So the letter begins... Uh, as a message to Blackhawks fans says, we recently said goodbye to a pair of popular two-time champions and acquired some new players via trade and free agency. Those two players, obviously Brandon Sod and Corey Crawford, the ones that they said goodbye to. Uh, we understand it was tough to see those respected, rever- uh, respected veterans go and realize you may have some questions about our direction. We'd like to address that direction and share why we're hopeful for the future of Blackhawks hockey. We're committed to developing young players and rebuilding our roster. We want more than another window to win. We want to reach the summit again and stay there, an effort that will require a stockpile of emerging talent to complement our top players. The influx of youth and their progression will provide roster flexibility and depth through our lineup. We were already the youngest team in the 2020 playoffs and several Blackhawks experienced that intensity for the first time. This will help to further establish a culture that embraces the grind of improvement driven by competitors who are relentless engaged and motivated by a team first mentality to win. As our young players develop and learn how to win consistently, they'll make some mistakes. Inevitably we'll miss the mark sometimes too, but we'll communicate openly with you on this journey together. We know that what comes next must be more than just words. And that inspires us sign the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, first off, uh, just an initial reaction, it does sound, there's some similarities to what the New York Rangers did two or three years ago when they announced that they were essentially not really winning in the, or not so hell-bent on winning in the short term and they were going to look more long-term, and that's kind of what, it took a while for them to get there, but I think the immediate suspicion was that Henrik Lundqvist was on his way out of town, and I think he he finally left in this offseason, but... I don't know, Brandon Shepard. I'll ask you guys in a second, but it feels like they've been kind of trending this way already, and so it's not surprising to see it. I don't see the word. Okay, it says rebuilding our roster, so we're we're going to get into this later. I'm sure about what is is not a rebuild and what the Blackhawks are doing and all that. But it was for me. It was not a surprise to see this. That this is the re- direction they're going. It was a surprise to see them actually say it out loud, and kind of confirm what we've been talking about almost for two years now. So, I got, I, I I think it it just for me it was just some validation that I don't feel so crazy now saying that uh, the Blackhawks didn't seem so intent on going for broke every season. That it seems like they've been having a long term longer term focus for a while, and I think this kind of validates that. So, Brandon Shepard, either one of you guys. What were your reactions to this letter that went out about 1, 1, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon?
2: I had a similar thought to you, Dave, where it didn't come as a surprise, but the openness and transparency did. Normally, the Blackhawks are very tight-lipped with things that go on in the organization. Not that they're like hiding anything, per se, but more so that they just hold things close to the vest and um, just kind of go about their business as they do. Uh, So to see this sort of transparency for the organization, I think only comes from what the Rangers did and that acceptance that they received from their fan base and the organization as a whole to say like, hey, we realize that we need to take a step back, reset and go in a different direction to make things work not just for a short-term benefit, but for a long-term. And obviously when you look back on it, there were two seasons where they missed the playoffs. They wouldn't have made the playoffs in this year if it weren't for the return-to-play format. So that would have been three years without a playoff appearance. And you could definitely say that when the trade deadline came in 2018, the Blackhawks could have been right in step with the Rangers and said, "Hey." Corey Crawford's out. We don't know if he's going to return or not. And now we're just going to reassess things and move forward with a rebuild. But for whatever reason, that wasn't communicated publicly, and they kind of went on this re-win, retooling, whatever term was thrown out in ex- exit interviews, and. Then it just came to a point of the pandemic hit, and John McDonough was fired from his role as president in April, and then Danny Wirtz stepped in as interim president, came to the return to play. Danny Wirtz was in Edmonton along with the team, had conversations with Stan Bowman and other members of the front office, won the qualifying round series. Had a five game series against Vegas, and what about two months later? We see this rebuilding message.
1: Like you said, Brandon. Like it's they they could have done it. Like the year Crawford went down and missed most of the season with an injury. If the Blackhawks like right there decided to just like blow everything up and start over, I I feel like it would have been understood and kind of accepted. But it seems like they kind of did anyway. Because like that's that's kind of when some of the you know that's when some of the younger players the younger players that you're seeing now at the NHL level that's when some of them started getting acquired or uh, started making their way up to the NHL. So it's not um, like I said earlier. Like it seems like they're just confirming what we've thought for a while now. So uh, Shepard, what about you? What do you think about this whole situation?
0: Uh, to go into the rebuilding debate, they're not rebuilding. Uh, rebuilding means taking the the team apart and actually trading the players on this team who are on the wrong side of 30, who are valuable to other teams as well as this team. Um, This is not a rebuild. Let's just start there. Not a rebuild. B, I also don't understand what's wrong in Stan Bowman's head because his definition of youth is different than my definition of youth. His definition of youth includes a 25 year old defenseman instead of, you know, the two 21 year old defensemen that are on this team that, like, they could use instead of the 25-year-old defenseman, um, let alone the 34-year-old defenseman and the 37-year-old defenseman. So I don't know what young players he means. If he means Alex Nylander, this team is doomed because that's the only real forward besides Kirby Dock who's gotten playing time as a young forward. Dominique Kubalik is 24. I don't really count him as youth because they also haven't signed the 23-year-old defenseman, the 23-year-old forward who counts as youth. Uh, and it doesn't seem like that's a priority for them right now. Uh, signing the actual youth they have, so yeah, I, I I don't see this rebuild as anything. But like, we're going to be mediocre for a while. We're claiming we're rebuilding, we're really not, because to rebuild you'd have to be bad, and they clearly don't want to be bad. Even though being bad would be best for this team.
1: Twenty oh, third in the NHL is pretty bad. <laughs> it's uh, only only a thirty one team
0: league. The wor- the worst defense in the league, and then not really helping that. This season, going into the season, uh, that's not really helping them either. No, but they're also not going to be twenty seventh. They're aiming; they are aiming to be like twenty third again.
1: I, I think they're going to be worse in the standings than twenty third. I, I think you're like, it's a lottery team.
0: It, uh, yeah, it looks, yes. it
1: looks an awful lot like a lottery team.
0: And the twenty third team is a lottery team too. I I, I, think, well, they
1: I, think, 20, I think they finished twenty. A lottery team with <laughs> a lottery team with better chances then.
0: I don't think – I think they have the same amount of chances as they did the last two years, really, before the play-in series.
1: Now, I mean, I I think they're – I think objectively they are worse at the NHL level right now than they were last season because you don't have Crawford, you don't have Leonard, now you don't have Brandon Saad. So right. I, I
0: think any, any – they're, they're like, going the hope to. is that Alex Debrinkhat bounces back from his well, historically low season. And unless then... he's
1: going to score 136 goals, I don't think that's going to be enough to fix what's going to be wrong with this team.
0: I mean, Patrick King could probably score 100 points again if Alex Debrinkhat's back in goal scoring territory.
1: I think this is kind of where we want to segue into our next topic because so after the Blackhawks released this letter, multiple media reports came out or just uh, articles came out. Because uh, Stan Bowman did a full media tour after this, or before, or during this whole process, he talked to uh, ESPN. There's an article from Emily Kaplan. Um, he did an hour with the Blackhawks Talk podcast that I, uh, Charlie, Charlie R hosts. Because I can't say his last name ever. Brandon, can you say it?
2: I just – I'm not going to just because I think it's funny when people just call him Charlie R.
1: Okay, Charlie R, Charlie R. it is, but uh, Charlie, who uh, is a reporter for NBC Sports Chicago. He, Bowman appeared on that podcast. And then the big one that I think we're going to talk about most here is he appeared on the Laz and Powers podcast with The Athletic. And uh, Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers talked to him for an hour, which probably is more time that he has talked to the media than all of his other media availability combined in his career. Because it seems like Bowman never like he would talk to the media at the end of the season, doing kind of the post postmortem after the season was over, regular season playoffs, whenever, and then maybe at the draft, and that was about it. And then you never hear from him any other time of the year. Like I heard Stan Bowman talk for an hour straight today, which is it still blows my mind that, that even happened. And uh, I want to credit and Powers because every question that I had regarding the Blackhawks, I feel like they asked Stan Bowman and they got the answers. From him, whether or not I like the answers, that's another story. But now I do have answers. I feel like for the first time, I couldn't sense basically for the first time since they won the cup in 2015, I have a better working knowledge of what the Blackhawks' plan is, what they're going to do, what they're trying to do, and uh, and how they're trying to do it than I have at any point in the last five six years. And that's, I feel like that's the role of the media is to kind of be the interme- intermediary between the team and the fans and say, here's what they're doing and here's why they're doing it. Whether or not you agree with the philosophy is another story, and we're going to get into that plenty in the rest of this podcast. But uh, I, I find it very refreshing to have all of this information available and to have all these things to talk about. So that's a very exciting thing for me. What is not an exciting thing for me is um, the short-term future for the Blackhawks because, as we were just talking about a little bit there, they're going to be very bad. next se- It feels like they're pretty much just punting completely on next season, which isn't the worst idea in the world. I mean, it's probably going to be a shortened season. I don't see any way the Blackhawks do much of anything next season. I mean, they beat the Oilers in a qualifying round series. Does that do anything for any of you guys? We all knew the Oilers sucked. So... Um. So that doesn't do much. It's just, I think where the debate comes in now is I'm, I'm with Shepard that they're not rebuilding. Taves, Kane, and Keith Seabrook are all still here. It's not a rebuild. They're doing like a retooling. I don't know what the hell you want to call it, but it kind of goes back to what we've discussed before is that it feels like they're trying to get enough young talent together to mesh with the old talent that they have. And Taves, King, Keith, and, well, Seabrook, I hope you hopefully Seabrook's back to being. Uh, better than he's been in the past few years. But you're trying to match this young talent with the old talent that you have and put it all together before the old talent regresses to the point that they're not the players they used to be, which they're getting close to be that anyway. And maybe you get another run at the cup with Tays and Kane still on the roster. That seems like what the Blackhawks are trying to do. Now, the logistics of that, this is where I think we're going to have a lot of debate. So, Shepard, I'll go to you first. What do you think about that... I guess short and long-term plan for the Blackhawks.
0: This team doesn't seem like it's ever going to be any better if Stan Bowman remains the GM in five years. Um, I don't believe he trusts analytics enough for the current generation. uh, And unless somebody over him, like Danny Wirtz, really trusts analytics and, and forces Stan Bowman to play into analytics instead of, you know, the last two years trading for grit, Andrew Shaw, Nikita Zodorov our trades were great. It's not analytics. They're not analytics good at all. Those trades made the black box objectively worse. We just talked about how sh- shipping out Brandon Saad made them worse. And on, like, it also, again, runs counter to whatever youth movement they're trying to instill. Um,
1: um, but but Saad's, Saad's on the wrong side. He's like 27, 28. Yeah, but twenty five isn't much better, especially again when you It have is better that
0: when you have two twenty one year olds who are right there, and if you're gonna be bad, why not try and let those twenty one year olds play consistently, make the mistakes they're gonna make this season well, then... so that they
1: can grow from them. But that's why then... they got rid of Olimata and Slater Cuckoo.
0: Right. What but, but that again, that doesn't make any, any sense either because Olimata is objectively better than Nikita Zdor- Zdorov, Zodorov. Uh, eh. and, and, and eh. they're the same age, and they're the same age. Eh. Olimata and Nikita Zodorov are the same age, and Olimata is better. Um,
1: okay. okay, but all right. F- even if they're better, but Olimata's under contract for what, two, three more years? Yeah, and they're going to keep
0: the door off for the next two or three years. That's no, but, no, the but,
1: but, no but all right, because this goes back to what Bowman said several times in the podcast is that he, uh, the podcast with and Laz- Powers, I'm referring to, which by the way, yeah. go listen to it after you're done listening, Dars, because it's very informative. But what, there's, what he said several times in this podcast, and because I was thinking the same thing, there are Getting their, they're shedding a lot of salary because they want to have cap flexibility because with the flat cap, the way this is all going over the next few years, there might be a lot of players available through free agency and other areas because teams are going to be financially screwed. So Zadorov is on a one-year contract. He's a free agent next season. The Blackhawks are restricted decided- free agent next
0: season. What? He's a restricted free agent next season.
1: Okay, restricted free agent. And they can just decide to not tender him and let him go if he sucks, and they can keep him if he's good. Motto was under contract through the end of the, 20, the 2022 season. So that's two more years they would have had to pay him. So this speaks to the cap flexibility. I think this is the part of the plan that I was very much on board with is they're, they're trying to do as much as they can to have as much cap flexibility as possible to add to the roster in the next offseason when it gets here because there might be some pieces available to fill in the holes that they're going to have.
0: Right, but if you look at next season's free agency, it's not much better than this one's.
1: Well, I, I think it's more than just, like, the players that are available free agency now. It's, you're going to see a lot of teams that have to, you know, players that go from entry-level deals to actual contracts, that are, so they're going to get raises. Teams are going to have to shed salary. How many times have we gotten to a post to the end of a regular season or whatever, and we get to the restricted free agency period, and we're talking about all the guys the Blackhawks have to get rid of to get under the cap? We had to do it again this summer. So maybe being next off season, maybe being in a situation where you can be more of the, the team acquiring players instead of just unloading players. And that's, and that's how you help fill in the gaps that you'll have outside of the new and the old talent that uh, we were talking about earlier. And I, I want to be clear, Shepard. I'm not like, fully on board with everything they're doing because there's one very large objection that I have to what Bowman said, and you're going to agree with it when we get there. But the, I, I can understand the logic behind what they're doing. And it seems like you disagree on that. Yeah, but it's also because he
0: just does, doesn't seem to have a grasp of what actually good hockey looks like in 2020 because he thinks the Blackhawks had a competitive chance against the Vegas Golden Knights, which they didn't if, they, if Corey Crawford's not there. Or if, Car- or Crawford gets injured in Game One, like they didn't stand a chance if he gets injured in Game One.
2: That's like, funny. and uh, and they got,
0: and I don't understand because he thinks that they played competitive hockey when they were blown out of the water, just like every other team Vegas played against, and they just didn't have the the. Goal you're
1: just saying that because of how much you like Vegas don't I'm don't,
0: saying that because of if you look at the possession metrics of the Vegas Golden Knights they were one of the best po- po- uh, postseason teams of all time how many cups they, they won they with dominated every they dominated every team they came up came up against
1: how many cups they won <laughs> uh, metrics I mean possession I don't want I don't want to make it sound like I'm an anti-analytics guy but I'm just telling you they ain't won shit
0: No, but that's because their luck just ran out. Like they couldn't score. They couldn't score a goal against Anton Kudeln, which is like he was good in the regular season. Yeah, but he's somebody you can objectively score a goal on because Tampa Bay did a lot of it. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like they just couldn't score a goal on him. Well, that's, and and this is that's, and not, this, that's, not, that's not like their PDO was low.
1: Oh, now it's PDO's fault. Yes. Well, and th- th- and this is where I get we get to the argument that we've had before about like Patrick Kane's analytics suck. I'll take Patrick Kane over any analytic. Positive player, you can give me.
0: I'd take Pat Mark Stone, which is the, the uh, I'll star take Patrick Kane time. over
1: Mark Stone. I'd take
0: Mark Stone every
1: time, every day. Mark of the Stone, week
0: Stone, will, give more, Stone day. will give you Mark Stone will give you more wins, and if, even if that means less points, that means like he's able. He's somebody who's able, unlike Patrick Kane, to play in all three aspects of the of the ice. Three you cannot you. play Patrick Kane on the penalty three kill rings. and expect good results.
1: Brandon, Brandon, go ahead. Before before Shepard and I continue yelling at each other about what. I was
2: just, like, eating popcorn. So
1: yeah, Brandon, just uh, – you, you can talk now. Shepard and I need to take a break. I'm, I'm going to go get something to drink. Yeah, I
2: think that most people will agree the biggest question mark with this plan that's being laid out is there was a commitment to playing younger players, and that was said to be being done the past two seasons. But then you look at the free agent acquisitions that were made, um, and by trade with, you know, Andrew Shaw, Calvin Dahan, Oli Mata, um, Ryan Carpenter, Robin Leonard, those are all guys that are on the other side of 25.
1: Um, yeah. Do, I do Ole remember Mata, them talking about this because I was thinking the same thing and, and Bowman's answer didn't suffice right. for me. Like it, it it didn't make sense. But yeah, keep going, Brandon.
2: So the the thing with that is if you are committed to doing this rebuild why would you go out and get arguably the best goaltender on the market in Robin lentner Yes. It was only for one year. And I would guess the hope was we either make the playoffs or we can flip him at the deadline like they did and get, you know, a good return on him. But then you have these other guys that are in there and like Ryan Carpenter, you could say, exceeded expectations more than anyone else on that roster for the amount that he was being paid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're not far off there.
2: And then when you look at Calvin DeHaan, Andrew Shaw, and Zach Smith, those are guys that had injury issues. So when you come back of the, with the reasoning of like, we brought these guys in because we felt that they could like mesh in with like the youth and the veterans and, you know, make a cohesive team. But then you point out, like, it's unfair to judge them because they got injured. Well, you knew that they had injury history, so why did you bring them in?
0: Right. And also, we have pretty good samples for Calvin DeHaan and, and Zach Smith. 26 games. DeHaan also played in the postseason, and then Zach Smith played, what, 60 games? No. Did he? 40 games. With the Hawks? Yeah, he's played, like, 40
1: at least 40 games. I thought it was 26. 20- no, Shaw played 26. Smith got up to like 50. I yeah. remember we had this exact same conversation because I saw Zach Smith played like 56 games, something like that. And I was surprised. It was 50
2: games. Yeah, it was 50 games. I was
0: surprised yeah, it was that. Had, high. That's a good enough sample for me for Zach Smith to know that I don't want him on the roster when Matthew Highmore is younger, better, and cheaper.
1: I'm, I'm telling I Zach Smith seemed, has LTIR screaming all over it. The way the way
2: yeah, Bo- so Han had 29 games and
0: Shaw had 26. Right, but then DeHaan also had, like, what, nine games in the postseason?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So my thing, like, going back to, you know, Zach Smith is that if he were healthy, he would have been bought out, and it doesn't seem like there's a hope that he will be healthy enough to play on this roster, um, from what Bowman said on um, the podcast with uh, Laz and Powers, but with Shaw, it seemed like he was pretty committed to if he is the best player that is available and healthy, then he would be in the lineup. That there are a lot of ifs in that situation. Yes. Um, So that's definitely safeguarding talk, you know. Um, But as far as, you know, you bring in these players and then with Mata and especially Shaw – and Smith, like, yes, they did save a little bit of money with, like, the Anisimov-Smith flip.
1: Yeah, that was, what, like, a million dollars? Yeah. He was was very proud of that million dollars.
2: (laughs) You, I mean, use that in Ryan Carpenter. Um, (laughs) It's kind of null and void, right? You bring in this term, and then you say that you want to create more flexibility toward the future that part doesn't match up regardless if it's my thinking or anyone else's like, just when you look at the math, like that doesn't add up.
1: Yeah. It doesn't. It's like, it's like they only started thinking about the future in this off season. Like I think this off season, they've done a very good job. Like they they signed Jan Mark, they signed Walmart. Even if you don't like those guys, they're one year deals, low risk, low reward, not going to screw you like a seven year deal to a defenseman in his thirties.
2: Yeah. To me that those signings scream that, we want the young players that are on this roster to learn like the mentality that those guys bring at both ends of the ice. And also it provides an opportunity to like quote unquote block certain prospects in the AHL so they can learn and develop there in a full season somewhat, whatever that season would be like
1: yeah, yeah that, that I guess that's part of the concern that that's another thing that maybe we can get into later on in the off season but like prospect development because of everything that's going on right now like if the the if the the junior seasons in canada are affected if the h l seasons are affected that makes prospect development a very tricky thing like i i don't know i feel like they'll have to figure out some other thing to do because you're not going to have you know, if the AHL gets canceled, you can't have an entire team's prospects. Maybe they'll just do scrimmages somewhere. I don't know. But that seems like a very bad thing, not only for the Blackhawks, but for any team that has an eye towards the future. Like, how the hell do you develop prospects if they can't play? Overseas. There's only so many leagues overseas, too. Like, eventually, there' are a shortage of spots, and a, a uh, the, the supply and demand gets out of whack. The supply of open – ice time and the demand for players to fill that ice time it eventually doesn't work out and someone's going to get screwed so
2: yeah and the only other part of the podcast with Bowman Laz and Powers that didn't make sense to me was him continually bringing up that Dominic Kubelik was sat he sat two games yeah <laughs> so that was just well, confounding to me because it's like yeah like they let Kirby Doc like go through growing pains and they easily could have realized, hey, we can send him to World Juniors and then just be like, oh, we'll send him to the WHL again or, like, after that so he doesn't become a UFA a year earlier by playing less than 40 games. But they stuck with it, and in that stretch, he went 28 of 29 games, I think, from, like, November to sometime in January without a point. And, like, that's not the, you know – grand metric of evaluating a player but for a young guy who is used to scoring in bunches in juniors to just come to the nhl and just like for that not to happen that's a hit for his confidence probably because that's something he's just like used to doing all his life and then he right, comes to like, the nhl and he like expects for that to happen obviously not at the same clip but or just not to happen like for a 19 year old kid that
0: Right, but the 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 knock on Doc coming into his draft year was that he was inconsistent for a stretch in the w h l and he he also had a slump where he didn't score like that 28, 29 game stretch is not unpredictable because looking at that draft year, same exact thing happened in the w h l like i it, it might be a knock on knock on his confidence, but it's because it's the second year in a row that's happened
2: yeah and that, I know that might just be a like, feature
0: of a game, not a bug
2: yeah, but it's not like a... You just don't like expect it to be like that long of a drought, I guess. With like a 15-game streak included in that.
0: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy. Here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down We break down who will be
1: cutting CUT What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip.
0: Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules
1: at frito Brandon, there's a question I want to ask you directly because I think Shepard and I have kind of offered our thoughts on it already. Yeah. What do you think about what it appears the Blackhawks plan to be of building the young talent, meshing it with the old talent, filling in the holes with this cap flexibility they're allegedly going to have in the next year or two, and trying to build that into a cup contender in the next two to three seasons. What do you think about that idea?
2: Uh, It's not possible until the flat cap goes away.
1: Damn. So that's going to be a no? (laughs) That's going to be a no from you, dog?
2: (laughs) Yeah, because I just think that there's going to be teams that are going to learn how to uh, maneuver within the flat cap, and then there's going to be teams like the Blackhawks that are waiting to pounce on those teams. And like they can have success doing that. But then there's also gonna be teams that are gonna be able to like maneuver around the situation uh, because they have already built up their prospect pool. And that's something the right. Blackhawks are probably slightly below average at right now. I guess you could put them like 20 to 24, probably you know, within the league, maybe at like a worst bet you know when you're ranking prospect systems in the league yeah. um but it's that they have concentrated areas of players and they're not like the high-end players like their high-end players are like ready to crack the roster right now
0: or already want it.
2: replenished to the degree that they probably should have and would have hoped to do
1: yeah because right. that's I I have I have two concerns with this plan. Um, one of them we're going we're gonna to get to in a second. The other one is, is and it goes back to an article I, I wrote about right after the Dylan Sakura trade. I went down the Blackhawks roster and tried to find guys who had spent at least 70 games in the AHL with the Rockford Icehogs and that had gone on to play at least 70 games with the Blackhawks. They did not have one. Um, actually, and, and at the time I can offer a mild correction – Corey Crawford was technically in that qualification, but it also happened like a decade ago. So I feel like that, you know, the point of the story is that they haven't done it with anybody in the last decade. The other guy was Duncan Keith. And it happened so long ago. It was on the Norfolk admirals when he played at least 70 AHL games. So it seems like the Blackhawks are not, I have a belief that the Blackhawks are not developing players in Rockford. They're either going straight to the NHL or they're, hanging around at Rockford for a year or two and get traded or their contract doesn't get renewed and they're gone. I think Dylan Sakura is a pretty good uh, example of how this all works out. Brandon Peary, the guy he was traded for, is another example of it. So you're telling me you're going to develop all these prospects, but um, you have all these guys who have already spent a full season down the AHL: the Philip Kuroshev, Mackenzie Intwestles, Brandon Hagels.
0: Nicholas Bodans.
1: Nicholas Bodans, Lucas Carlson's. Uh, this doesn't, I'm I'm not going to throw goaltenders in there because that's a whole other situation, but, so, all of the sudden, you're going to tell me the Blackhawks are going to develop all these prospects from within when the reason they're in this entire pickle right now is because they've been god-awful at developing their own prospects for the last five, six years, and maybe even longer than that, but at least the last five or six years, and that's why they have no depth right now because they haven't developed any prospects. Right. So, that's a, that's a massive red flag for me because, like, you know, I, it seems like Ian Mitchell is going to come straight to the NHL. Uh, Boquist pretty much, for the most part, bypassed the AHL. Uh, Kirby Doc did. Dabrinkit did. But, I mean, some of the other guys that might need a little bit of seasoning to figure stuff out, like, I, I'm not sitting here and telling you I'm already giving up on McK- McKenzie and Twistle and Philip Khrushchev, but they spent an entire season in Rockford and never made it to the NHL or never got called up to the NHL. So I'm already a little bit worried that the Blackhawks – don't think they're good or something's going to happen with, they're going to stay in Rockford forever and never make it up.
0: Right. And, and that probably feel, that feeling doesn't go away because they signed Jan Mark and Walmart instead of bringing those two up.
1: Well, that's, and that's, Brandon kind of mentioned on that too, that those guys are on one year deals. So right. Like, but they also, but they forced Khrushchev and
0: Walmart if those two stay healthy to not be able to play in the NHL. To, get, not to, not, to not, not add necessary.
1: to that seasoning. Not necessarily. I mean, you, they, I'm sure if they were – you can put a guy on waivers. And, you know, like there's, there's ways around it. If, I feel like if Khrushchev and those other guys prove they are worthy of an NHL shot, they will get it. And it sounds like they're not going to let Walmart, Yamark, or anybody get in the way. But they also have to prove they're worth it. And it th- feels like the Blackhawks need to help the players get to a level that helps them earn that shot. And that's where my question is. Because, as I've said, the recent history suggests they are not good at that. And then I guess the other question I have is Jeremy Colleton. Yes. Bow- Bowman was asked about this, and it, he just, like, there, there was a report. Emily Kapman said in her story that it's likely the Blackhawks are going to give him a contract extension. <sighs> okay. Sh- Shepard obviously voiced his displeasure. I'm, I won't say I'm in the fire Colleton immediately camp, I, I don't want to go that far. I am firmly in the camp of I don't see what he's done to earn a contract extension. Like, you did, you got into the playoffs on a technicality. You, you beat a really flawed, really shitty Edmonton team in a qualifying round series, and then he got run out by Vegas. So, at the best, he's probably treaded water over the last couple of seasons. And I don't know what players have actively gotten miles better that suggest he's proven he can develop players. I think he's still very much unproven. I think this season should be the make or break for him where the Blackhawks either decide to stick with him or find someone else or do what we all suspect and promote Mark Crawford to head coach. But, and Shepard, I'll let you elaborate more, but there's nothing that Jeremy Colleton has done in my eyes that suggests he's the guy. He might still do it, but he hasn't done it yet.
0: He's not going to do it this season because they're trying to be bad this season. He's, and he's fit for that job. He's fit for them trying to be bad. He is, he is the ideal tank commander. He's not Okay, here's the other thing about Jeremy Colleton. We just saw a manager who's good at developing players but not good at uh, getting them through the playoffs get fired from the Chicago White Sox. He's not even at that level. I don't trust him to be Ricky Renteria. I trust Ricky Renteria to, to manage this hockey, hockey team more than I trust Jeremy Carlton. I think I actually I think Ricky Renteria is exactly what the Blackhawks need. They need somebody who will develop players, develop young players, and work well with the with the veterans. That will like get them to the playoffs and then get get out. Uh, That's not what Jeremy Colliton is. They need to find that guy. It's not Jeremy
1: Colliton. Who is the hockey equivalent of Ricky Renteria? Denny Savard. Maybe that was my first thought because he. He was the coach just before Quinville that they fired, so they could go on to to win things. But I, I feel like Savard did such a small sample size as a coach, you couldn't even really say that. Brandon, what what do you think about that? Not the Denny Savard thing, the Jeremy Colleton thing. <laughs>
2: um, I could see them giving Colleton two years for a contract <laughs> extension <clears throat> because the reasoning is that. Technically speaking, Colton has not had a full season with his own staff. Huh? The year the year that he took over, it was mix mash. Barry Smith came down for the front office, was there for two months, and then Sheldon Brookbank was promoted from Rockford. And at the end of the season, two assistant coaches were fired, and then. Thomas Mattel, and Mark Crawford were brought in. Then this year, they have a 70-game season, which is, I believe, like three or four more games than what he had the first season. And they were what they were (laughs) with them. Um, They they were
1: who we thought they were?
2: Yeah. I think that this season, with because it was the – Bowman said it would be before the season a contract extension would come for Colton. So this season you would want to see progress from the, I guess, prospects that are coming in their rookie season and also a step with Boquist. I feel like with a top five pick like that Kirby Doc is, it's very hard to give credit to a head coach of saying that, Because of him, this player took this step. Doc has already shown that he is capable of taking that step on his own, seeking out Patrick Kane's trainer, Ian Mack, and being like, I want to add muscle and and be smarter with like what I'm doing with my body and not become bloated and you know, put on weight in the wrong areas and lose speed. Like Doc did that by himself. So he's shown like that he can be a pro in that sense and he can take care of it. I think that there is a maturation part where Brian Campbell and Jeremy Collins need to work together to help move Adam Boquist along to the player that they think he can be. Whether he reaches that, you know, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I think the, the real telling aspect will be, you know, Ian Mitchell and Wyatt Kalinuk, if they are in the lineup frequently, how do those players perform? And then if Phil Kershaw, Brandon Hagel,
0: Mackenzie at whistle.
2: Yeah, maybe if Ant if gets in, like, how do those players perform? I still think that Nicholas Bodin can use some more time in the AHL. Pretty sure he will get NHL games next season. Um, but I still think that there's like another level that he needs to show of consistent play of not being, I don't know, just being a bit a step faster in his game than what he is now. And that's the thing of like, with this extended off season, like maybe, you know, prospects within the Blackhawks or like throughout the league, like take a bigger step because they're able to step back and like actually train on stuff on and off the ice and, take those next steps in their development
1: yeah i just there has to be some i always had a hard time kind of figuring out where the line like where the hockey coaches contributions end and the player the players like like how much of a coach really can affect the game it seems like it's mainly involved with matchups and like lineup selections and things of that nature i don't know how much a coach can affect development of a player i mean there's there's so many things they can do, and but it feels like it's kind of limited in hockey. I mean, if you have a young defenseman, you you try and give him more offensive zone faceoffs. Same thing with if you have a young, talented offensive forward, you put him more O-zone situations instead of forcing him to play defense while he's young. But like it seems like after a while, like the players kind of got to do do it themselves. So all that's to say is I'm not exactly sure how they're supposed to evaluate Colleton, but there has to be some sort of tangible sign that the Blackhawks can point to of saying this got better in the next season or the calls for him are only going to get louder because I feel like there's a significant portion of the fan base that would like him to be gone already and it's only going to get louder next season because they're probably not going to be very good like Brandon said that's may not be part of the plan but like there's if you're going to have a season that you're almost tanking essentially there's a way to do it where you're just losing to get to the bottom to, be, to get the best lottery odds as possible, kind of like the Detroit Red Wings are doing. And there's also a way to where you let your young players learn at the NHL level and actually develop while you're doing all of this. So I just – that's a very – there's a lot of gray in that area, and I don't know how to properly describe it.
0: Right, and going back to the AHL development too, that like there, was, there needs to be players in the AHL developing. You know this better than I do, Brandon. Is uh, his name is Anders King, right? The Rockford Icehawks head coach. Uh,
2: Derrick, no, the head coach you... is Derek King. The
0: one of the assistants is Anders okay. Sorensen. Derek King is he the guy? Is he trustworthy with development of players? Well, that that's another problem. Yeah, exactly. That that it might just it might not might not be an NHL problem for the Blackhawks co- coaching wise. It might be an organizational thing.
2: I I wouldn't place any developmental blame specifically on those two individuals. I think that for a long time, the Blackhawks didn't invest in former NHL players as skills coaches within their specific skill set. Like, yes, they brought in Yannick to like work on face and, and being a, a two-way player. And that didn't work out great, but yeah. But there's there's been a concerted step forward to doing that with bringing in Brian Campbell and Chris Kunitz. So I think doing that kind of is a realization of like we can like the like quote area where the player is like playing and developing, but that doesn't mean that a team can't have their own development coaches like going to help those players, you know, like with <clears throat> Boquist in London, like they could have been like, yeah, we just trust the Hunter brothers to like develop Adam Boquist in London. Like that's fine, whatever. But instead they were like, no, we need to have Brian Campbell go to London, work with Boquist, go over video, see him. Like this is an area you can prove in if you do this, do this, don't do that and, like, go over and correct things with him. I feel like that's something that can be done more, maybe more challenging this year with everything going on with the pandemic. But moving forward, I think that's definitely an avenue that can be pursued more.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be another I, – I think next season, I think we all now have our expectations for next season that they're probably not going to win – a majority of the games but it's all about young player development so i guess i and I, this goes back to what i said earlier like I, I feel some relief that we now know what the blackhawks are doing and it kind of helps like reorient where you're what you're going to be watching next year like you know if they lose five in a row out of the gate you know who cares did he and mitchell get better did adam bocos get better did one of the goalies start to look better because that's another position we haven't really talked about much tonight but they're gonna need a goalie, so hope to God one of those three figures it out. Um, figure it out. Go ahead. Said figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. Eh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna watch Letterkenny after we hang up tonight. That's that's something I haven't watched in a while. But I think we can uh, start wrapping up this particular episode of Musings on Madison, so I can go watch some Letterkenny. So uh, Brandon Shepard, any final thoughts?
0: They really shouldn't offer Jeremy Carlton an extension until they see if again whether or not anybody, anybody, anybody on the roster gets better.
1: I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Brandon, and about if nobody you. gets
0: better, there's a lot of available head, coaches, head coaching talent.
1: Yeah, and, and, then that's, and then, but then it's the gray area of if a player doesn't get better. Like if no one gets better, you probably can ask Colleton, no questions asked. But you know, if a certain player doesn't get better, they're not all going to be NHLers. Like Some prospects are going to not work out, but do you blame the coach or do you blame the player? And that's where I, I don't know how to properly navigate those waters. But uh, Brandon, what about you? What are your final thoughts?
2: So unrelated to all the stuff that happened today with like the rebuilding memo and all that. Um, I wrote a story about Kirby Doc with his one year anniversary. of <laughs> Oh, yeah. debut. And I would really appreciate if people read that story because it just worked out where I was like, sweet, like October 20th, one year anniversary. I thought about writing this story. This will be perfect. Put it on that. And then it just like got buried. So check it out.
1: Uh, Oh, great timing. It's all right, Brandon. I I read it. It was very good. It was very interesting. It is also, I will say, if you're looking for something optimistic regarding the Blackhawks, uh, go read that story because there's a lot to like about what Kirby doc did in his rookie season, especially when he came back from the big break in the middle of it. So, and uh, the comparisons to other number three draft picks, was very eye opening for me. I, I thought it's um, it suggests that you know, the Blackhawks has got another pretty good number three pick who's going to play center for him. So right, and
0: and with those comparisons, keep in mind he played less games, probably fewer games, <laughs> fewer games. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I knew <I> that. <laughs> which 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 affects his goals above replacement max. Right,
1: right. exactly. So I think that's going to do it for this year episode of Musings of Madison. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We very much appreciate it. Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. If any more Blackhawks news happens, we'll write about it there. Follow us all on Twitter. Brandon's at Brandon M. Kane, Shepherds at, at Shepard Price. I'm at underscore Dave Melton. So, uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And any five-star reviews we can get on Apple or wherever you leave reviews. It is on Apple. Uh, Do that because we could use some more of them. You know, just someone other than my mom needs to leave me a five star review, please, once in my life. But that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, wear a mask, and go, Hawks.